Sivo, Brimo, Brimo. Go, Brimo! Go, Brimo! Go, AJ! Go, AJ, baby! Go, AJ, baby! Let's go, baby. Let's go, Brimo. Millionaire, baby. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, Brimo. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode here of the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name is Blaze from BKR Sport. I'm joined here by Clarkie that we'll introduce in just one second here. Obviously, this podcast, guys, is everything Gold Coast Titans. From the men's to the women's, we've got the Host Plus Cup as well. That includes the Tweedhead Seagulls and also now the Ipswich Jets. Not the other team. They went sneaky. They went elsewhere. So we can't really talk too much about them. But obviously today, guys, you know, we're... we're we're going to be talking everything in regards to the preseason, getting hyped up for the year, and uh, I'm looking forward to it because obviously, you know, we do need to try and put ourselves back onto a, a positive stance, I guess, after the uh, the weekend that just was. But I know that we definitely will be able to. And look, I'm excited to chat here today. But obviously, we are joined here by Clarkie as per usual. How are we doing, man? Have you gotten past the scoreline of the uh, the weekend's game? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I was over it by the time full-time, full Blue, if I'm absolutely honest. Mm. There was a few things I wasn't happy with in the game, but there was also a lot of positives. And I think you could, you know, make that case for a lot of what we see in trials with other teams. But big show ahead. Probably a shorter show than what we're used to because we won't be previewing our round one game until we've got those team lists next Tuesday. So what we'll go through here today, guys, we'll do our review of the trial game, give our three two ones, talk a little bit about feeder clubs in Queensland Cup, and then we'll give some 2024 NRL season predictions, um, MVPs, top try scorers, ladder finish, all that good stuff. Usually we start the show with the Titans news. Nothing significant there that we won't otherwise discuss in this one. And just before we get started, if you are on YouTube, could you please give us a thumbs up and subscribe if you're new here? Same goes if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. Drop us a rating. It really helps grow this Titans community that we want to be loud and proud and holistically capture everything that is Gold Coast Titans and our community. And I will say on that as well, we've actually been seeing a lot of people really starting to get behind the podcast. We've been getting heaps of messages and whatnot of you guys listening in saying that you do appreciate there is a genuine Titans podcast out there that you can get, you know, everything Gold Coast. You know, it's been great to see. We've had players, families messaging us. You know, I know, uh, you know, I've been getting a whole heap of people, whether it be through Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and then obviously us getting messages on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's really great to see that you guys do really support what we do here because at the end of the day, we're two passionate fans just like you. Obviously, we just have, you know, a, uh, a we're public content creators, right, that get to voice our opinions and, and concerns and whatnot. But you guys can jump into the comment section. Let us know your thoughts as well. Uh, we definitely want to hear all about it uh, because, you know, it's not just about us. It's about the whole community and that's why we do it. So we appreciate all the love. Yeah, this podcast definitely is community first. If I can take back to I reckon maybe a year ago it would have been you came to me and said we should make a Titans podcast and I'll be transparent here for our viewers I said no I said look I love we, we both love the club but it's not worth my time uh because the <laughs> wow. only having so many hours after I finished my eight hours at work to have to do my other Clarkies column commitments I, I pretty much said to players at the time it's not worth my time because we can only capture such a small audience and then I started to really think that yes it is a smaller audience of what I can otherwise capture in terms of you know at the NRO itself but there's probably no well there isn't a more important audience that you know or an audience that I'd appreciate as much as the Titans family and our community so the podcast was something that bubbled for so many years I messaged Blaze last year and said mate we've got to do it uh, but it did take a bit of convincing and it's been one of the coolest things that I've personally ever done in content creation absolutely loving it 
Let's jump into the trial review, mate. We uh, officially we lose to the Parramatta Eels, twenty six to sixteen. And I'll I'll start us with positives. I thought there was so many positives I'd like to discuss. Uh, Bo Fermor, he makes an unreal return from an ACL injury and was one of our best players. AJ Brimson looks at home in the centres. You can't tell me he didn't look his best on the weekend. Uh, we had a great second half from some of our younger players that came on and where we scored tries and defended well. Piano Kinney. There, is, there might have been question marks from rival fans, certainly not from Titans fans, but there's no question marks at all now that he is our fullback in round one. He looked awesome there as well. And, of course, we did all this without our leader and our spine veteran in Kieran Foran, who uh, withdrew relatively late into the week. So really, really great positives from that game. How do you break it all down, though? Yeah, look, I, I think that uh, I want to just kind of put a first thing out there in regards to last week I was extremely confident going into this game and I saw a couple of comments on, on Facebook. I'm not going to name anybody, right? But I saw a couple of uh, comments on Facebook saying like, you were so confident, it, it, you know, the you know, the podcast was talking a big kind of up about this club and it, it disappointed on the weekend. You know, uh, how is it kind of... In, in a way, it felt like, oh, how do we trust you if you're going to say this and it doesn't pan out that way? And what I'll say is that, one, we didn't actually have the full team lineup because there were a couple of outs after the podcast. You guys need to remember that we do record this podcast on the Wednesday, right? So it will come out on Thursday and then there'll be laid outs. Like, here in Forum wasn't an out until the weekend. You know, Brian Kelly came out after the game as well. Uh, and then we also had those other players out as well. So, overall, we can only go off of what we've got and that team makes me super confident and I will tell you right now that I genuinely believe full team on full team I believe we win that game 13 plus I believe we beat Parramatta 13 plus with a full team because if you look at it this way right we lost this game by 10 points 26-16 we missed four of our kicks now yes they missed two of their kicks but that's not our problem that's their issue our problem is our kicks so if we get our kicks then we lose the game by like two points, you know, it's 26-24. And this is with all those players out. This is with development squad, the, the, the development players coming through. And whilst they did the same late on the game, at the end of the day, we did not get absolutely walked off that park. In the first half, it was a little bit concerning in regards to the defensive structure. We were seeing a little bit of Titans of old and it was a little bit of a worry. But at the end of the day as well, you've got to remember that this is a trial. So we are adapting this new style. And that's the first game that our big boys have had together to try and work it in. So to clarify there, I know we lost by 10. But in my mind, we get the kicks that we are given. I don't care about them missing their kicks or getting their kicks. Because that's not our issue. Our issue is what we do and what we do only. So by us missing those kicks, you give us those 8 points. And then and Tanner Boyd is a 90% kicker normally. He's copped a, a whole heap of criticism this week. And look, I understand the concerns that it didn't really look like too much of a changed game from Tanner. But I do believe that when he's got Kieran Foran there, uh, rather than Tony Weaver, I feel like this game, it did give me a little bit of worry about... And I said this before in the podcast, I don't necessarily believe that Tanner Boyd and Tommy Weaver, I think they can kind of clash with each other in regards to their game styles. And I kind of feel like you have to have one or the other, which might sound harsh to say, but it's not. Like I'm just saying that these guys seem to have relatively clashing styles, in my personal opinion. So that's why foreign is so important, man. And it's going to be interesting to see how this team does go this year uh, with if, if foreign is obviously out or whatnot. Uh, it's going to be super interesting to see how we go. Uh, but overall, I was impressed with a lot of factors of the game. I was impressed with the fact that, you know, we, we 
didn't give up at any stage. We did have our youngsters that show that we have a quality amount of depth in this team. Like, honestly, we have a top five depth in the competition. And I think people will, will struggle to be able to argue that. You know, the only teams that right now... And I did a depth tier ranking on the channel on BKR Sport the other day. And I put out that, you know, you've got the Roosters who obviously are doing pretty well right now. You've obviously got the Panthers and whatnot. But overall, our depth actually showed that they're better than the Parramatta depth. If Parramatta get one injury, they're done. They get, they're done if they lose Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown and whatnot. With us, if Tanner goes down, we bring in Tommy Weaver. And like I said, they're kind of similar styles, right? So uh, I'm, I'm actually really pleased that our depth has proven itself. I don't think there's too much to worry about that game. There was some really nice plays that went down the right. Like that's a pass from Tanner Boyd uh, down to the right-hand wing there for, uh, was it Phil? Who was the one who scored that one uh, down that right? I think it might have been Loft, wasn't it? Or Phil, which one? Well, they both scored, but uh, I believe Phil was on the right yeah. side when he scored that try. Yeah, it must have been Phil. So that's right. He definitely was on the right side because we'll get into that other moment in a second. But that was a really nicely worked try out to the right-hand side with a nice lofty double cutout pass there from Tanner to Phil Sammy uh, to score there. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. We saw the pace from Brimo. Like, the pace from Brimo in this game was absolutely phenomenal. You know, he scored that, that breakaway try, which was great. You know, we saw some really nice movement from him. So I'm incredibly excited about him transitioning into that position. Just obviously worried about the injuries. And I will say as well, people will criticize the, the lack of effort that we saw in Philip Sammy's tackle that led to a try there for the Eels. But overall, I don't think in the regular season that effort is there. I think that he absolutely goes above and beyond to stop that. And I believe, and I said this on the stream, I believe that three of those tries in the regular season that Parramatta scored, when the boys are actually up at Adam caring about the two points that are on offer rather than just going out to trial it out, and whilst that may be disappointing that they're not completely and fully out there in a trial game, the fact of the matter is that three of those tries are actually quite easily defensible if the boys are completely invested in the result of the game. So I'm not too worried. I looked at a lot of positives there. A lot of concerns in that first half defensively, but I definitely think they can be ironed out. I always look at trials, and I'm not necessarily looking at the result. I'm looking at things I want to see within the game because I just, I just don't care for trial results. They do not mean anything, guys. The Tigers could beat the Storm 50 near on a trial, and I wouldn't care. Yeah, um, but just they, like did, the they did lose by 30 to the Dragons or so. so <laughs> just to clarify, yeah, the Tigers did lose by about 20, 30 to the Dragons. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, that is probably... And the, the Dragons I, I are winning the comp a... now, too. The Dragons are apparently winning the yeah. comp because they won that game. So that tells you everything you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. Ironically, that was probably a very bad example because the Tigers do seem like, even though it was just a trial, they've got a lot to work <laughs> on. But pretend I didn't give that example and gave another. And I'm always looking for certain things in a trial rather than the result. Um, and the other takeaway I had from your thoughts there was the halves combination. It reminded me a little bit of uh, when we had Kane LG and Ash Taylor. And they're both young and they both play so similar that it didn't work too well in the halves. But then you put someone like Tyrone Roberts in there, who individually probably wasn't as good as either player, but both of them played better beside him because it was that different contrast in the halves. And I do think in some teams, it's you need an experienced half and then you can have an inexperienced for your other but then in other teams, you, you kind of do need two halves that play a different style of footy um, like the Eels have in Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown, for example. So I'll rattle through some of my notes. Feel free to jump in whenever you've got a point uh, in return here. So for me, the only real disappointing point I can say, and keep in mind how many positives I had, was the first 20 minutes in that first half. 
but to add a silver lining to that, it is only a trial, and it gives us an opportunity to work on that in the next week and a half now, you know, see if there was some deficiencies. I do want to say something on that as well, uh, just briefly, yeah. is that Desi Hasler is actually quite infamous as well for losing trials and can lose trials well. I remember, I think it was like 10 years ago, maybe with the Doggies or it could have been with Manly. I remember him getting the Manly Seagulls or Dogs getting beaten by like 40 by a team that was down the bottom of the table at the time. And I believe they ended up winning the comp. So it might have been 2011. But the point of the matter is, is that Des Hasler does not care about trial results. He does not care about it. It's just as simple as that. He's looking at the individual players and little tactics in between. So, you know, and it goes back to a conversation that you and I actually had before the trials. And I was like, man, I can really tell that people are really excited about the trials right now. I can really tell that there's really a lot of chatter going on. But... Uh, you kind of replied and said, oh, no, no one usually really cares about it, which you're right, because a couple of years ago, you couldn't even watch it. But mm. I think that now, because it's a technical challenge, the point of the matter is that people now look at those games and think, oh, okay, here we go again. You know, this is it. Like, okay, uh, we're taking trial as a fact. And I, th- I think that I wish people still had the same viewpoint that you had in regards to not really caring about it, because it just doesn't make sense that people are going off about individual trials and whatnot. Exactly, and I think Des Hasler really showed his hand with that week one side that he put out, right? That the trials don't matter to him. He's just looking to see little bits and bobs rather than an overall result. So silver lining to it, yes, our defense was a little bit poor in the first 20, but it gives us an opportunity to work on that over the next week and a half. Um, In addition to that, I will say we did only miss 23 tackles, whereas the Eels missed 44. So they almost missed double the tackles uh, statistically. And as you said, there's probably two or three tries in there that if it's a a competition game in the regular season, we're probably not leaking those tries, especially when you look at that stat there and consider they missed almost double tackles. That's what I'm saying, Um, bro. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, Phil Sammy doesn't miss that tackle in the regular season. He doesn't. Like, it was just, (laughs) Phil Sammy does not miss it. And I think it's about, you know, acknowledging it's a trial and you do want to see certain things, but then going that little bit deeper and looking at the stats behind it and, and stuff like that, that really tells you where we're at, in my opinion, anyway. Um, AJ Brimson failed his head injury assessment. Our round one fixture is still a while away. He will be available for his 100th NRL game there. I thought having two young halves, we completed really well, if I'm absolutely honest. And that's reflected in our 86% completion rate and our four tries to their five. So two young halves there um, clashed at times, but certainly didn't make errors uncharacteristically um, throughout the contest. Brings me to my next point. Of course, you've already touched on that. We actually didn't kick a goal this game. Clearly an off afternoon for Tanner. And I'm, just, I'm sure it's something he'll work diligently to address before round one. I've got, to, you know address, I've got to address something here. Everyone yeah. always knows me by my Tanner doesn't miss, okay? And obviously, I live-streamed this game, right, guys? Oh, so um, that was... I, I, every time that he... I would say, oh, he's not going to miss this. He doesn't miss. I just I see him miss it, and I pretend that someone's at the door, and I didn't watch it. All right, so like I, I, I like <laughs> it was really difficult to have that kind of. And I know that. By the way, actually, this is something that I'll say. I won't say who said it, but a couple of the boys have said how heavy the track was, how heavy that it was, mm-hmm. um, and that there was a real subtle wind as well about that. Because Moses, I don't believe that. Well, he missed two kicks as well uh, for the for the Eels there. So, uh, look, I, he did, definitely didn't miss as many as Tan did. But Tanner was top three in the game for kicking last year, a conversion rate. I think he might have even been second behind maybe Nathan Cleary, if I'm not mistaken. So, whilst there is 
criticism that is valid that hopefully he works... Well, he will work on. I know him. He will work on it in regards to his on-field kicking game. In regards to his conversions, I don't... I'm not scared by him missing kicks. I still believe that he does not miss. It was just a trial, so it doesn't count. <laughs> That's fair. Trials don't count it, really. I mean, you're not even... Uh, you don't have to really be sarcastic about that. The facts are they don't <laughs> count. Um, yeah, but look, you know, Tanner still has a career rate of over 80% um, at NRL level, which is like 8 out of 10 times he's kicking it. And we do score a lot of tries out wide via our wingers. So he, he's a fantastic goal kicker. You know, even Michael Jordan's and the greats of sports have off days. So it, it's no surprise that Tanner had an off, a one off day with the boot. I don't look too far into that. Uh, I, I, I was a little bit disappointed with the amount of offloads they got. I thought mm. we struggled a little bit there. Uh, yes, we weren't missing the tackles, but they did manage 17 offloads to our four, which is a big disparity in stats there. Uh, but look, my final thoughts on this one, Blaze. We used 13 interchanges. We were clearly looking to get some minutes through particular players, try out different combinations rather than focus on winning this game. Anytime you're subbing 13 players, yeah. that's a lot of change throughout a game. So. There's so it's, many positives, man, and we've got to focus on them, right? Yeah, it's it's something that people need to recognise as well, is that we're starting to sub plays in like five minutes in and ten minutes into the game. You know, we're, we're trialling a completely a different you know structure every five or ten minutes in a trial game. So, as you were seeing, Tino's on, Tino's off, Tino's on, Tino's off. Like, the same team isn't even really together for ten minutes at a time. So, in an actual game... You're saying, and we'll get into our three, two, ones in a second. But you're saying a lot of these guys who had these good little, these good stints, obviously playing for longer minutes. So you know, I, I was really actually quite impressed with Kyle Fel Foxwell in this game, the the new blood here for the, the Titans in the depth department. Uh, I did think that he did very well in that second half and whatnot when he did come on. But yeah, look, overall, man, it, I, I just need to reinforce and and reassure people that I still, and we'll get into our predictions later in this video, but I still have extremely high hopes for this team. Tanner does not goddamn miss, and I will shove that down everyone's throats for the rest of the season because he does not miss. And I'm still very confident in this team. So don't get down because of a trial result. Absolutely right. I, I like your shout out there to Kyle as well. I thought he played really well. I loved his energy yeah. up around the footy. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying before. Like, although he doesn't have as many NRL games as like Tom Weaver or Tanner Boyd, he's older than both of them and played a lot of Q Cup and, you know, competitions like that. And you can kind of see his experience having that different half out there. Yeah. did seem like it suited us. Uh, you referenced 3 2 1, so let's go there right away. I want to get your three points for this game, please. All right, my three points for this game. I think I might go a little bit away from. I think I might go away a little bit from what people probably expect, but I am going to go with a guy who didn't play a crazy amount of minutes, but still was one of our best players on the field, very clearly. And that's Tina Fatasumalawi. I'm going to go big Tina for the three points. You know, look at this 13 runs. 147 metres. 13 runs for 147 yep. metres. What did he play? Like a half a game? Did he even play half a game? Like in this game? Like did he play 50 minutes maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so the NRL, NRL uh, stats don't record minutes in trials. 80, yeah. But um, I, I'd say he played under 40. Yeah. So, so, you're so you're telling me this guy's running for 147 metres. And this is why I say like people... Uh, we, we, we Every single week, we will put Tino usually as the three because he usually is in our regular season games. But just because it's not a regular season game and just because I want to shout out the guys, I'm, I'm still going to be truthful, right? And I just think that 13 runs for 147 metres, 
in, in such a short amount of time. He had 66 post-contact meters. He had six tackle breaks from 11 hit-ups in this game. Uh, had an offload as well. Um, and, and also played very well in the 13. He played very well in the 13, which starts to kind of make us think, like, maybe you could see Tino in the 13 now. Like, I didn't believe mm-hmm. it beforehand, and I still have my doubts whether they do it, because... With all due respect, I wasn't greatly impressed by Palacio's impact in this short amount of a game. But that's not me saying that he's not going to get that spot. It's just me saying, like, this game wasn't his best, unfortunately. So it does leave... This game from Tino did kind of give me a little bit of confidence that, yeah, maybe he could... um, Maybe he could get that, that 13 roll. The only issue is that in this game, he did miss three tackles, which is one of our higher in the game. But again, it, it just comes down to a bit of rustiness as well. You know, that's his first hit out since the uh, the uh, Pacific Championships of last year when he was playing for Australia. So, you know, people forget that. It was the first hit out for these boys in a very long time. So, yeah, he missed a couple of tackles, but overall, he's my three points. That's just a ridiculous amount of run meters considering that he played for l- literally less than 40 minutes. And that sums up Tino's mentality. It doesn't matter if it's a trial or a grand final. He's always going to give you 110%. And that's why he's such a great leader for our club. Uh, Love Tino's effort on the weekend. And to put that in perspective, Thomas McKayley from the Cowboys this week in trials had two tries with less metres overall than Tino had post-contact metres. Of course course we have McKayley playing well uh, once he's left the club, yeah. Yeah, not many players seem to leave the Titans and improve. That's uh, definitely a, a very rare case there for Say Thomas that to McKayley. Jared Wallace, mate. Say that to Jared Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you could definitely make a solid 13 of all-time players that left the Titans and played better or had great careers elsewhere. Tyrone Peachy, James Roberts, oh, please Jared don't Wallace. Please saying Jerome Hughes, Cody Walker and stuff like that, please. <laughs> yeah, Jerome We had Gavin Cooper play for us. Yeah, A lot of great names there. Uh, my three points, I went the way of our superstar, Bowie Fermor. One Big try assist, 94 metres, six tackle breaks, the equal most on our team, and 24 tackles. Great to see Bo get some minute in, minutes into his legs, but not cheap minutes. Like, you know, he wasn't hiding out on his edge and timid and afraid to get back into the contest. He knew, I'm 100% recovered. I am fit enough. I am ready. And he ripped in. I loved his effort. You know, the try assist reflects that. Dangerous in attack like he was prior to the injury with the six tackle breaks. And then also worked hard on defense. So I absolutely loved Bo. I'll kick us across into the two points. I went with Keanu Kinney. Uh, he had 172 metres, which was the second most for our team. Also had six tackle breaks, one line break, and zero errors. Look, it wasn't even Kenny's best game. It wasn't close to his best game, but it was still super consistent, and it was good enough to to alleviate any doubts from any fans of any clubs that he is an out-and-out fullback and potential superstar in the future of this league. So Kenny gets my two points. And... I want to pause here actually and ask, his name is pronounced Keanu Kinney. Yes. Am I? Yes, because Blocker Roach kept saying Keeney. And then I was like, wow. Uh, Are you really going to start me on Blocker Roach, bro? He calls Tino, Tino Fasuamui. Like, he calls him Fasuamui, brother. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to double check that it's Kinney and not Keeney. Um, and hopefully someone else learned that as well. I, the, I will go and in. I'll message Keanu. I, I talk to Keanu quite a bit. I'll message him and make sure. Uh, but I, I'm pretty certain it's not Keeney and it's Kenny. But with that being said, 
I will clarify for the next podcast. Um, actually, I'm saying it tonight because when this is being filmed, guys, the Titan season launch is actually tonight, which is last night for you guys. So I'll see him tonight and I'll, I'll ask him. Actually, you know what? I'll record him. I will get, <laughs> I'll go up and ask yeah. and make sure. Um, but yes, Blocker Roach, he is very infamous for pronouncing names quite interestingly. Uh, Tino Fasuamui is my favorite. Oh, no, he called him Tino Fasuamui. Uh, but all right, uh, my two points, he spoke about obviously Keanu having. The second most amount of run meets in this game. My two points is going to go to the Brim Dog millionaire, AJ Brimson. I think he transitioned into that role absolutely phenomenally. Nine runs for 176 meters. Now, to, to compare this for everybody else, watch. I, I guess, like, obviously, he did make that breakaway, but again, that's what we want and does score that try. Uh, but at the end of the day, AJ looked absolutely unreal in that center position, and a lot of fullbacks who are great fullbacks. They go into that center role, and they absolutely carve up. You're looking at guys like Tommy T. You're looking at guys like Latron Mitchell, who is having his own question marks in fullback right now and might move back to the centers. So for me, I, I genuinely believe that we have got an absolute stunning center here. And I just need to... We're just going to hope that, obviously, you know, he doesn't get, I guess, more concussions with more times, obviously, being, in, I guess, in the line. But overall, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting season with AJ Brimson at the, uh, at the center position. And then number three, I will go with... Oh, there's a couple of players that I want to go with here. I think I have to go with Bowie, to be fair, Bowie Firma. Simply because... And I will give a, a, a shout-out to a couple of players after you go. But Bowie Firma, coming back from an ACL injury, mate. Like, you, you can't ask for more from a guy. And actually, fun fact for everyone, scored the most fantasy points in the entire... Or for all the Titans, actually. I haven't actually looked. I'll just quickly go and have a look and see with the Eels to see uh, if he did. Uh, Will Pansini scored pretty well, uh, but he was up there. Let's put it that way. He was very high up there, but he was the most for the Titans. And this is in a game that people thought that we didn't play too well. So the point of the matter is, is that to have a game like he did, nine runs for 94 metres, uh, and he had a line break assist, he had a try assist in the game, 43 post-contact metres, uh, six tackle breaks, seven hit-ups, uh, go to the tackles. He made 24 tackles and only had two uh, with one ineffective. Overall, very, very solid game there from Bowie Firma back from injury. And how crazy is this back row going to be when we have Bowie and Dave in the lineup? Possibly the best It's the best back row. Back in, row. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who would rival us? Panthers would have Liam Martin and... Uh, who else is there? Other back row It's escaping me at the moment. Yes. Scotty Torrenson. Yeah, um, I, I'd take Dave Fafita and Bowie Furman, to be fair. I think it's close. Then yeah, It's close, but I'd still close. take... Uh, Dave Fafita is the best back row in the game. And then Bowie Firma is... When I did the tier rankings with uh, Rando, I think he put Bowie uh, about ninth or 10th, obviously off a fully mm. healthy season kind of deal. Maybe you would look towards like an Eels or someone like that who have a pretty good four pack. You've got Ryan Madison yeah. and uh, Sean Lane. But I'd still take Dave Fafita and Bowie Firma. I don't know. I just think we've got the best back row in the game. Yeah, the only like if Kikia could get back to his best at the Bulldogs alongside Preston, that that's a great back row pairing there as well. But I don't think Kikia will get like. I mean, we'd have to have a much deeper dive. But yeah. I'm, I'm happy to put my neck out and say that we do have the best back rowers. Uh, my one point went to AJ Brimson for all the reasons you said. I'll only add that he had eight tackles for zero missed, which was really good in his first hit out at centre. You would say, mm. uh, and of course, his head injury that he failed wasn't due to making an ineffective tackle. It was due to an illegal shot of which that player's now been suspended for three weeks. So um, nothing you can say bad about Brimo on that one. 
We'll go to Queensland Cup predictions in just a second, but uh, go through, give us some of your notable mentions and players you really wanted to give a point to, but just couldn't find room. Yeah, notable mention definitely goes to Keanu for the amount of runways he made and just the work that he was doing at the back for such a young bloke. I do want to say, defensively, uh, Lothy wasn't exactly at his best, but overall, that massive hit that he put on and also his acceleration is just insane. Like The guy's acceleration from like a, a standing start to being just a 100, 200 kilometer an hour mm. runner. It's just wild. Uh, so really impressed by his speed. Uh, he's obviously gotten bigger as well. So to actually look faster and bigger is quite scary, right? I just yeah, need to see him eight obviously. kilos of muscle. Yeah, exactly right. Eight kilos of muscle. So it's, yeah, it's a big bulk up for a winger, man. That's, that's a lot of muscle to pack on in just one off season. Yeah, for sure. I thought that Sam Verrills was uh, really key. Uh, I thought that he really, you know, quickened up that ruck speed, and I think that he showed why he is one of the better hookers in the game when fit and healthy. So touch wood, you know, we just need him to be fit and healthy. Uh, who else? I thought Aaron Clark as well. You know, he didn't have a great deal of time, but 14 runs for 140 metres, getting over that 100-metre mark, you know, maybe we are looking at him going into that 13 role if they put back Tino into the 10. Uh, but then it comes down to kind of what's going on with Isaac Liu uh, because I think he's been injured. Injured or sick? I think it might have been... I know, I know it might have been sick because I know that Brian Kelly was out with a sickness that, a fun fact for everyone, kind of, you know, seemed to have gone around the, the team there. So we, it's it's interesting to see that we still cracked on and still did what we did, despite the fact that we had a little bit of a sickness there with, you know, BK. Uh, and then you've obviously got, um, let's go through down here. I think that, oh, again, Isaac Fasul Malawi, bro. Like, he has really come leaps and bounds in my mind. Uh, I think that Isaac is really starting to show me that he can definitely be on that bench. Four runs of 43 metres. He only had a very short amount of time on the field. But to, to make that kind of impact, it just shows that him and Tito could definitely be starting in this team in the near future. It could even be like a like a dynamic duo where we see one one go off and, and yeah. come on like the Knights do with the Saifidi twins, for example. That That's definitely something we could see in the future with the Fa'asua Oh, I was going to say how Blocker said it, but I forgot how it went. So I'll Fasua move Bui. on. The, the, the Fasua Bui brothers. <laughs> and last shout yeah. out, Carl Foxwell, obviously. I thought he was really good in the second half. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, yeah, so many positives from that game. Really happy with what we saw. It wasn't perfect, but we don't want to be perfect in a trial. We want to have stuff to work on. So I really, really uh, like that. Despite the scoreline, I'm still taking the positives and ready to leave that in the past and look forward to a huge 2023. Every week here on the podcast, we will go over Queensland Cup, and it is back next Saturday. We've got two feeder clubs this year, being the Ipswich Jets and the Tweed Seagulls. What we do mainly is look at our Titans players, how they perform in reserve grade. We'll give you guys a bit of a stat read, and then we'll give our thoughts on how or when they might get a call-up to the NRL lineup. The podcast really is to capture the entire Titans club and community holistically. We want to keep you as informed as possible on everything that is going on around our club. And this segment is the way we do that. We don't both watch a great deal of Queensland Cup, so you won't get per se uh, strict analysis on each game, but you will get a rundown of our Titans players at the very least. Let's start with Tweed. Now, they finished ninth last year, Blaze, but they were a little bit unlucky because they needed to beat the South, uh, the, the, the Falcons. They had to beat the Falcons to finish eighth. But Tommy Weaver got called up to NRL mm. and Justin Olam and Ryan Pappenhausen returned for injury for the Falcons that game. So it was super unlucky for us. We lost it and finished ninth. Where do you think they could finish this year? 
Well, I think the benefit to Tweed this year is that it's stacked. Like, it is absolutely stacked, man. We've obviously, you know, Burley Bears have gone to the Brisbane Broncos. So uh, now we've got the Tweedhead Seagulls and the Ipswich Jets. Uh, but the Tweedhead Seagulls have just got such an unbelievable team uh, as it is. And now they've got even more of the players. Like, I believe Tony Francis now also goes to the, the Tweedhead Seagulls, who was the, uh, you know, top try scorer last year for the, the Queensland Cup. And it's just been on a try scoring rampage lately. You know, you've got um, Isaac Fasul Malawi. I think he's there. Uh, did Jacob Arlett go from Burley to Tweed as well? I know we did go over it on a, a previous mm. podcast. It was, a, it was a long drag reading out all the names. For anyone that's interested while you're listening, um, search Titans uh, Feeder Club. Uh, just type in Titans Feeder Club and there'll be an article on our website that'll actually show you where everyone is assigned. And every player gets assigned. Like even Tino, for example, is assigned. Yeah, exactly right. And I do feel that uh, I do feel like Tweed got a lot of the players that are probably yeah. I think Tweed got a lot of really really incredible players that will really benefit from this year, and they already had some great players as it was. Uh, and I think that you'll obviously see the Bears drop down a little bit, even though they've got the Broncos, and I think Tweed are going to jump up. So, look, man, I think that that team is so stacked, to be completely honest with you, that I can't see them outside of the top four. I think that this uh, this this Tweedhead Seagulls team has such unreal quality. Uh, it's already got Tommy Weaver there as well, uh, and I, I really believe in what Tweedhead Seagulls can do. Because uh, going based off of my reaction when we did read out those players' names, it was that Tweedheads had an absolutely stacked team. So I'm putting them into the top four, and I could see a world where that team could come first as well and do what the Bears did last year, but go one more. I remember back to that podcast, we both definitely agreed that Tweed had the stronger of our players assigned and players more likely to play reserve grade there. So I like their chances a lot this year. I think they'll be very strong. I think they'll be somewhere in that top four. Other sides I expect to be there would be the Magpies and the Bears, being Broncos feeder clubs. They have they have some solid depth and a lot of good players in the reserve grade uh, portion of those two clubs. But I'm going to go Tweed top four. I can't give an exact ladder position, but I think they'll be right up there. I think the issue with the Bears, though, is that we have no idea, you know, because that's them just putting, I guess, plays into that. Like, with, with Tweed, we know that they were solid. And now they're getting even better players alongside the solidity there. So that's why I'm really confident that we can say that Seagulls will go into that top four at a minimum. But I think with the Bears, I really don't know how they're going to go. Because one, I haven't obviously looked at how, what Broncos players are aligned with them. But also two, they're going into a completely different setup. So I could see the Bears dropping off, man. I could see them dropping down. That's not just me saying it. Like I used to play for Burley when I was a young bloke, when I was really, really, you know, like under 15s, under 14s kind of deal. So I do have a bit of a love for them. But now they're with the Broncos. I'm like, well, now I'm Tweed. But overall, I do think they could drop down and, and Tweed could go up, which would be kind of a kick in the teeth to the Bears, to be honest with you, to, to realise that they lost the players, they went there, and, and then to drop b below their, their arch rivals. Because Burley and Tweed hate each other. I can tell you guys that for free. Burley and Tweed do hate each other, even when they were uh, aligned with the Titans, right? So, uh, yeah, look, I, I really believe in Tweed this year, and overall, I've got them definitely top four. And there's just some question marks for the Bears. It's a good point. You know, they lose players like Kinney, Tony Francis, Jacob Arlick, and Isaac, who were all huge for them throughout the year. Most notably, Kinney, though. Keanu goes to Tweed. Exactly right. And I think that even just him on him, him on his own, if he's not on our bench, if he's playing reserve grade, he's going to light up that competition. And he, if he is there for 20-plus games, so I know that sounds a bit unlikely, but he, 
he'd win player of the, the whole competition, in my opinion. Mm. That's how high I rate Kinney. Let's go to the Jets. Now, this is a, a tough one to talk about, and there, there's some facts that we just can't gloss over. Yeah. Okay. The Jets did not win a game last year. They have yep. won seven games in the whole last three seasons. Like, Titans fans think we've had it tough in recent years. Imagine being a Jets fan. Only seven wins in three whole seasons. So it's clearly a side that needs a rebuild. They need to improve drastically. Having our players will help them. Look, I'll give my take and then I'll hear yours. I've got to be honest here. I think finals is extremely unlikely for the Jets, even with our players. I think our players will help them get on track and get some more wins throughout the year. Like they could even win eight games this year, which is a huge improvement because it's more than the last three years. Um, but it would be a big effort for them to rebuild suddenly in one year and be back in finals. I think Jets this year are going to be like in that 10th, 11th, 12th range where finals are always statistically possible, like they were for us last year, for example, in the NRL of the Titans, but it just seems unlikely. Statistically-wise, yeah, you could crunch the numbers and say, yeah, we could get there, but I don't think it'll ever be a realistic proposition that we see Jets play finals. Are you going to mirror my thoughts there, or are you going to give a bold and outlandish take here? No, I think that, it, well, I guess that even yours is a bit of a bold and outlandish take, considering that they did come last uh, and didn't win a single game last year. I do want to kind of throw a little bit of shade here at the Roosters and say, what are you doing with this club? Because ultimately, the Jets are actually aligned with their youngsters, with the Roosters, and we're obviously placing our players there because you can't have, I believe, more than 10 of your contracted NRL players play in, um, you know, play in a one individual Q Cup team because otherwise it'd be ridiculously stacked. So I feel like it's like the Roosters are just using this club and, and doing nothing is what I would see from the outside because what are they benefiting from? Without us, they've come zero wins. And now guess what? This year, I'm going to tip them to come ninth. I'm going to say that they're going to go where the Tweedhead Seagulls were last year and Seagulls are going to go where the Bears were last year. And I feel like it could be a very similar thing because we've got such great youngsters coming through. Again, we've got a very solid amount of depth in our uh, Gold Coast Titans club right now as a whole. So that's a big, bold Atlantis prediction just to have them there. And I think that's an incredibly positive season. Do I think they can make the finals? If I've got them in ninth, then yeah, there's a slight possibility. But I do think that a great season, one would be to get out of the bottom four, two to at least win a damn well game, but also three, yeah, to be competing for the eight. So no, I don't think the Ipswich Jets are going to win the comp. I think that's probably more likely going to be tweed out of our feeder clubs. But I do have Ipswich making a bit of a jump up when you've got look, the Western Clydesdales, three wins, they're in 13th. The Cutters, three wins, they're in 14th. The Blackhawks, that's a big jump up to eight wins. Devils, eight wins. Hunters, nine wins. Seagulls, 11 wins. I don't think it's absolutely crazy to say that this Ipswich Jets team, with the likes of Josiah Bahulu and the likes, I think that they absolutely can go up into that 9-10 range. Yeah, I'm not going to write them off. They do have some other nice players, um, like Gordon Whippy. We've seen mm -hmm. him for Fiji. I believe he's there. Uh, Khalil Rami. Yeah, we've seen him for Lebanon. He, he's a great young player. Uh, and then they also have Sam Walker's younger brother, who has a lot of raps on him. At the I think his name's Tyson Walker. I'm not sure if we'll see him at host plus cup level this year, but um, if we do it, it would actually be exciting because he is touted as a, a really big prospect. Seeing him mix it with some of our Titans boys would be cool as well. Uh, but unfortunately, he has some with the Roosters, so we won't be able to get him. Again, it's, it is technically a Roosters. Uh, it, it is technically a Roosters club. So 
Uh, that's the thing that people need to recognize, right? Again, when we don't disrespect Ipswich by saying that, that is just kind of how it is. We will be there to support you. But at the end of the day, we do need to focus more so on Tweed because they are directly aligned with us and their youngsters do directly come to us, not the Roosters. So we're actually benefiting not only the Ipswich Jets here, but we are also benefiting the Sydney Roosters in this fact because it's going to help out their youngsters, you know, come through. So, no worries, Roosters. Thank you, Slater, because you've done nothing with this club, obviously. And I'm happy to throw shade there because they have done nothing. They've won no games last year. So, if we win some games this year with Ipswich, it's directly at the result of the Titans. So, that's shade at the Roosters. No, it's, it's more than fair, mate. It's more than fair. Like, you know, it would be like if we stopped supplying our players to Tweed last year because we didn't think they were going to play finals anymore. And we said, oh, well, we're just going to keep them here for the NRL just in case we need them. It's wrong. We've so, got an agreement. Okay, sorry, keep going, keep going. Well, I just think it's wrong because, like, in principle, you've got an agreement, you know, with that club where, where you benefit by getting the young Ipswich players such as Tyson Walker, Sam's younger brother, and you're not doing your bit. They're supplying players to you, but you're not holding up your end of the bargain and supporting them as a club, seemingly. Maybe they are financially behind their scenes. I don't know. Just from the outside looking in, it appears that way, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to go through the players here, because I've just got it up here for Ipswich. They're going to get Jalen DeGroote. They're going to get Ryan Foran. They'll get Arama Howe. Uh, they might get Isaac Liu. They'll get Ben Liu, Ken Mamalo, Seth Nikotemo, Josiah Pahulu. Uh, they'll get Aaron Shupi, more than likely. Uh, they'll probably get a Harley Smith Shields. Uh, maybe Joey Simpson, depending. And, uh, and then, obviously, the other guys are more than likely obviously going to be playing for the Titans, so I don't really read their names out. But, you know, just to compare that for everyone who was listening before about the, the Tweed one, they're probably going to get the guys like Jacob Alec, Oscar Bryant, uh, maybe Aaron Clark, depending, Isaac Fasul Malawi, uh, Jojo Fafida, uh, Tony Francis, you know, Cleese Haas is there. Uh, Jimmy Jolliffe, you know, Keanu Kinney, as we said. Um, you know, the list goes on. Tommy Weaver, Ryder Williams. So, overall, we do think that the, the Tweed team is probably a bit more stacked. But, again, that's why I think Tweed goes up to that, you know, top four spot and Ipswich competes for the eight. Yeah, I've counted about nine players there, I think, are likely to play for Tweed. And seven to eight for the Jets, but more likely seven because, um, yeah, so, yeah, I agree. I, I think Tweed will be stronger. Um, seems like we're both on the same page with the Jets. We think they'll improve. We don't think they'll be in the finals. And Tweed, we're both aligned that they will finish top four. Uh, so, exciting year ahead in Queensland Cup. It starts back this Saturday. Um, and hopefully, well, not hopefully, we will be here. Yeah, <laughs> every we'll be reviewing week. it next week. So, there you go. Absolutely. We will be here every single week to break down how our Titans go, um, just so everyone's keeping up to date with everything that's happening at our club. Let's jump into our 2024 NRL season predictions. We'll start with our ladder prediction of where we have the Titans finishing. Now, I went eighth. Uh, I went eighth. My ladder, one to eight, reads Panthers, Broncos, Storm, Eels, Warriors, Knights, Roosters. Then I've got us there. Uh, I'd like to see us ideally finish fifth or sixth to get that home final. But I think the sides that I've got there and the Knights and the Warriors could be tough to knock off uh, just based on their form last year. So I've got I've got a lot of belief we can play finals. A lot of people are disagreeing with me uh, on my page online regarding having the Titans in the finals. Uh, <laughs> but I have a belief that I've never felt before at this club. And I've got to go with that belief, man. I've got to put us in eighth. Even though I acknowledge if someone says I'm going to put the Sharks, Rabbitohs and Cowboys or even Seagulls and Dolphins ahead of you, 
I can see why you would do that strictly on just a footy discussion at the pub. But I've, I've got belief in this club, man. So I'm going to go eighth. Uh, I know you've got a result that's a little bit more spicy for our listeners, though. Oh, well, he's spicy, baby. <laughs> Don't you worry. And guess what? You have a podcast here with me for uh, the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. But you also have a podcast with uh, Winnie from Tripod, who uh, has the exact same prediction for me. Now, I'll give you my prediction, and then I'm going to let Winnie talk here, because we're going to use a, a part from the, the Tripod podcast. We'll leave a link to the description there. Uh, they do some really good stuff, Clark and Winnie. Uh, but I've got us in fourth. Yeah, I've got us in the top four. I, I don't know if I've ever predicted this in the top four. Usually, I'll just throw us at sixth and say, hey, guys, I just want a home final. I don't know if it actually happens, but I just want a home final. I genuinely believe that this team will come top four. I genuinely believe it. And it was so nice. It was the sexiest thing that I've ever heard in regards to the Gold Coast Titans when we had a fan of another team, a fan of the Dolphins, a guy who has no interest in, or has no uh, investment in the Titans, to come out and say such positive things about what our club can do. And it's like, it's, it's one thing coming from me, but overall, yeah, I, I think that the Titans are a top four team this year. I think Boyd has the to... ability to be a really dependable seven and play his best footy on the back of this pack that has outstanding middles. Tino off signing the mega deal. Mo off winning player of the year. Palacia, great and underrated signing. Fafita reinvigorated for more back. You need a solution at lock, but I feel like Des finds it, whether it's Liu, whether it's uh, Aaron Clark there. The back line's got speed to burn, and that's before Campbell returns from injury. Last year went off the rails when Holbrook was displaced, but look, that was short-term pain for the gain of getting Des, you said before. is a coach I think can unlock the best out of the, get the best out of these young players. I see a lot of players that are in their prime or about to be. And when you're trying to make a bold bet and you're trying to come up with something that other people aren't predicting, you've got to bet on what we haven't seen yet. You can't bet on the teams where everyone knows and the players that everyone knows is good because it changes every year. And especially, I think this is a good year for some real surprise packets because it's going to be that close. So if there's only a couple of wins between kind of 10th and 4th, you might as well have some long shots. Call me insane. And I've been called a lot worse. I think the Titans are making the 8. I'm predicting that they come in 4th. And I will give that out as a value play right now. Let's see how long it lasts. $10 on Sportsbet and 9 bucks is good on Dabble as well for the Titans to finish top four. Pose yourself down, Clarky. Mate, when you first said you're four apart, I fully expected you to say 12. As my daughter goes crazy I'm Setting it me. up that way. But yeah, when you, at top four, wow, you did surprise me there in a very, very good way. Sarah says... Am I listening to the Titans League Club podcast? Come on, boys. 11th at best. No shame in that. Got to build toward finals. Hey, I'm decla- I've declared my bias. I'm a, I'm a bad Titans fan. I'm a very, very big Titans fan. Winnie's not. Year, and so they have a chance. Well, they definitely got a chance at finals, and that's kind of realistically all I want in regards to a home final there at Seabuster Stadium, which we have not had since 2010, where we beat the Warriors. So... Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Desi Hasler, uh, absolute special to, to get us into the eight. And I don't care about people who hate, bro. Like, at the end of the day, you will get... If you hate on the Titans... If you put the Titans out of the eight, you'll get Titans fans who criticise you and say, oh, you know, what a stupid prediction, right? Or you'll get Titans fans who'll say, oh, back your team in. But if you put them in the eight, then, you know, everyone else complains. So, at the end of the day, I'm always going to back my team. I will never, ever predict my team out of the top eight. It's just as simple as that. I'll say that now, I'll say it next year, and I'll say it for the rest of time. I don't want to put my mental state into a negative before the season even starts. Because if I do that, then 
then it's going to grind out of me and then I'm going to hate NRL by four weeks in because things won't go necessarily to plan or I'm going to go down into that deep, dark kind of thought process that we've had in the past. So at the end of the day, and this is what I encourage other people to do, Please, for the love of God, don't go into a season thinking negatively about the team. Try and spin the positive. Let the negatives happen if they're going to happen, right? But don't predict them to happen because then you're just already immediately thinking negative and it will just get worse for you. So, uh, yeah, I think that we've got an electric backline. I think we've got one of the best forward packs in the business. We've basically got the Queensland forward pack there. Dave Fafida, uh, potentially Bowie Firma, Tino Malawi, uh, Malik Fodawaka, you know, the potential of AJ Brimson playing in the centres, potentially. You know, maybe Lofty plays in the wing. So, like, our team is Queensland, nearly, at this point, you know, going forward. So, uh, I'm really confident. So, you gave your top eight, did you? Yes, I gave my top eight. You can now read yours out if you've got it handy. Yeah, so I've gone into my YouTube video that I put up um, and got it, uh, got the list. So, my top eight, I did have the Penrith Panthers still, obviously, topping the table there. I just don't think there's any kind of reason to go against that. I did go for a bit of a bold shout and say the Roosters in second, but they are always under the deliver on over-expectations. Uh, I did put in third the Brisbane Broncos, but I do look at their team list for Vegas, and I think, ooh, maybe not be as exciting as I actually thought. They are losing a few players. Uh, then I obviously had us in number four. Uh, had the Rabbitohs in number five. I think they'll get off to a slow start. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I do think they'll pump home late. I do think the New Zealand Warriors, they're still a top eight team uh, and have signed a few good players. Roger Tuovasa-Shek, obviously notably. The Melbourne Storm still got them in my eight. But, uh, you know, the, outside of the spine, it's a little bit, a bit of a concern. And then I do have the Sharkies. Making the top eight, but that is a 50-50 at best. We've got six of the same picks. Our differences are, I believe, Eels and Warriors for our top eights. Uh, you have both those clubs, or is it Eels and Knights? Uh, I don't have... Yeah, I don't have Eels in my eight, and I don't have the Knights in the eight, yeah. Okay, so that, that's our two differences there, those sides. I've got Eels fourth and Knights sixth, but it's awesome to see that we both genuinely believe we'll be a final side, and I'll be honest, uh, with no doubt. what you said before... I actually did predict us to miss the finals last year, and obviously I hadn't heard that advice from you prior, but I had us in the uh, 8th to 12th range, or uh, 9th to 12th range, rather. Do you I agree with the advice, though? Yeah, definitely, mate. You've got to be positive about uh, about your club coming in, particularly when you're passionate about, you know, rugby league for a lot of Titans fans. is like something we look forward to all week at work or all week at school um, till we can get to that game and watch our beloved club on the weekend. So... I can see where, like, a Fox Sports analyst might not put their team there, but certainly from, like, a fan's perspective. No, 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 no. James Graham put the dogs in sixth. James Graham put the dogs in sixth. And there is no world the dogs are making the eight. I'm sorry, but I see Cooper Cronk putting the Storm and the Roosters in, like, one and two. I see all these analysts who go by analysts who put their teams in. That's why I'm like, they're doing it. I may as well do it too, man. Who cares? Like, I'm backing my team in. Oh, man, more than fair. We've got a few more predictions to get through. Let's go to the Paul Broughton medalist. Um, if Titans fans aren't familiar with that, that's our best player of the year. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict Tino Fa'asuamala Aoi. I don't think it's a, bit, a bold pick. I think it's a little bit boring, but I do think he will continue to be our best player uh, in 2024. I believe Moeki Fodawaka won it last year. Yeah. Uh, I personally thought Tino... I had Tino winning and I had Mo as our second best. Loved both of their seasons either way, so I wasn't upset and under any uh, means. But I'm going to go big Tino to win it this year, which I I believe he's won it twice in the past. So if he wins remember. it, 
So I believe Tino's won it twice and Luke Bailey's won it twice. So if Tino was to win it this year, he'd become the outright That's right, because he, he won two in a row going into last year, I believe it was. I think he won two in a row going yeah. last year. Maybe. for three in a row. So yeah, I'm going to go Tino. I reckon he'll get three and then he'd be the club's uh, most uh, well, most decorated Paul Broughton medalist winner. Uh, who have you got winning the top gong? I think that the favourite has got to be Tino, but I'm going to go a little askew here, mate. I'm going to go a little bit off uh, off chops, and I'm going to say it's going to be Bowie Firma. I'm going to give it to the big fella, Bowie. I would love nothing more than to see this guy return and absolutely crush it on every level. This guy deserves it. He works hard. He's the fittest guy in the club. You know, he comes back and runs for nearly 100 metres in his first game back in, you know, a year and a half. The, at the end of the day, like, Billy Firma is a guy that is chomping down at the bit to absolutely slap it up, man, and have a great season. And I do think that you're more than likely to see a forward, uh, especially with how quality our forward pack is. I do think you're probably more likely to, to see a forward win the, uh, the Paul Broughton. So I'll go Bowie, but I can understand, you know, Tino, and I definitely don't think that Moeki Fodawaka, or even oh, Dave probably is out of it because of the first five rounds or so injury, uh, which will really hurt him there. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say Bowie. And that's why like someone like Jaden Campbell, who I would have factored in, but mm. given his injury, really I'd say Kieran Foran is probably our only outside, our only back. Uh, Do you that think that Brimo's out of it? Well, he has. I believe he's won in the past, but yeah, I, th- I think Brimo would be out of it at centre because I, I feel like our forward pack or our spine is going to get the points over a centre. Mm. Um, but yeah, interesting. I, I wouldn't rely on Brimo completely, but if I had to name a back that's our best chance, I would say Kieran Foran um, because I can see him really taking control of this team with Des Hazler. Let's go top try scorer, mate. I'm the most boring person in the world. I've gone a lot of Fiona it's him or Phil Sammy in my mind. I'm going to go Loffy. Do you agree? Yeah, look, I think that that's pretty much a bolter at this point. If I'm going to go askew, I'm actually going to go AJ Brimson uh, as a second shout. Yeah. Uh, but I will go AKP because it, the guy scored 20 tries in his debut year and is a better player now in regards to his offense. Just need to see more of the defensive side. Uh, but is an unbelievable player. And the, the speed that he has, and he's got such great leadership at this club now that will get the ball out to him more. And, you know, we've got Bowie Firmer and Dave Fafita, both quality. What, no matter what side they go on there, he's got BK, Brian Kelly who is, you know, uh, does hold the ball probably a little bit too much. But at the end of the day, you know, Loffy still scored 20 tries and people are complaining about Brian Kelly not passing the ball enough, yet he would have had to have passed the ball for him to get 20 mm-hmm. tries. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that one. But I do think that Phil Sammy and AJ Brimo edge uh, down that wing will be really nice. What about best signing? Who have you got for that? Best signing. Now, I do know that obviously Kinapalacia is uh, pro- definitely the one that we're looking at the most to be the, the best signing there. Uh, I don't think that we really kind of signed a great deal outside of him. Like, obviously, we signed Harley Smith. So I, oh. I, I think it's going to have to be as simple as Kinapalacia because I do believe he'll be in our starting. Whether it be 13 or 17, I'm not sure. But he'll definitely be in the 17. I don't see Harley getting that spot in that, in that top 17. Trick question. Uh, Des Hazel's my pick for best signing. No, uh, I'm you didn't, no, because I see who you've wrote here, mate, so that's a lie. You're a liar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got my notes up. Oh, the agenda. Uh, yeah, but my best signing, Keenan Policy, uh, uh, of course. I, I think he's more of a chance to be in the 17 than Harley Smith Shields, as you said. So for that reason, I'm going to name Keenan Policia. And then for Rookie of the Year, I wanted to look at someone like Keanu Kinney, but unfortunately just misses the cutoff of rookie eligibility. So uh, I think it's an also a bit of a simple pick. I'm going Tommy Weaver. 
Is he the only one? Oh, because Isaac's definitely not uh, eligible. Keanu's then not eligible. Uh, like, I guess if there's an injury to one of our wingers, Tony Francis could definitely come in and be that uh, that rookie of the year. So I think mm-hmm. that it is as simple as Tommy Weaver because when, you know, Kieran doesn't play, Tommy Weaver will more than likely come in. I don't think they'll shift AJ to the six, even though it is a shout. Uh, so I'll, I will say Tommy Weaver, but outside of that, to go a little bit askew as well, I will say Tony Francis, if there's an injury to one of Phil Sammy. Or to Loffy, Tony Francis will come in and be... I actually will say this. If there is an injury to one of the wingers, I will say Tony Francis over Tommy because I think Tony Francis will get more of an opportunity based off of that. Okay. If I've got to go skew and name someone outside of Tommy Weaver, I'm going to go Josiah Pahulu. Yeah. I know we've got so many like forward options that it, it seems unlikely that Origin. he would play enough. But yeah, throughout the Origin period, he could come in and you know play so strong that Des is like, nah, I've got to keep this young... Hungry line in our side. So if I've got to go with skew, I'll go Big Josiah, who will be back in his hometown of Ipswich. So he'll be playing great in reserve grade as well. All right, that is our 2024 NRL season predictions, and that is our show. We want to say thank you very much, whether you're viewing here on YouTube or listening on a podcast player. We absolutely love and appreciate your support of this podcast. It's a huge passion project for both of us, and we really do appreciate you being here. We can't stress that enough. We will be back next week at 6 a.m. on Thursday, so you can listen on your drive to work or on the school bus, whatever it might be. And we'll be previewing our round one game against the Dragons, and we'll break down our team list in detail of players that are safe in that position, that uh, players that could be on thin ice or need to perform early, etc. We'll break it all down in depth. So from myself, thank you very much for being here. I'll see you next week, and over to you, Blaze, to say farewell. Bing, bang, boom. We snuck it in underneath an hour as well. Look at us go. I know that when the season starts really full proper, we will probably go back to the hour and 10, hour and 15 kind of marker. But at the end of the day, we're absolutely slapping this down at the moment, getting in under an hour. So, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Uh, obviously, hit that thumbs up button here on YouTube and get around everything. But uh, season launch, I hope to see... I hope I did see you last night. A lot of you there, uh, because I know there will be a lot of us there. So, I hope I saw you. And uh, looking forward to seeing everyone next Saturday at Seabus Super Stadium. How cool is that to say? Next Saturday at Seabus Super Stadium against the Dragons, where they're going to miss all their kicks, baby. I'll see you guys there, baby. Oh, hey, Clark, you'll be there too. Give me one second. This this can stay in the podcast too. Give me one second here. <laughs> and you can end the podcast on this. We're, I'm going to slowly bring this into the camera. Oh, <laughs> oh that is beautiful, Zach. Beautiful. <laughs>